Welcome to Video Games Weekly. I am Paul Charchi, and my co-host is always Reiner from Game Informer and GameInformer.com. Hi, Reiner. Hello. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's another big week, and you've got a couple of new game, new to me games that I know you're deep in that you want to tell people about: Fury yes. Unleashed and Man Eater. Normally, I've got a pretty good idea about whatever you're playing. I don't know much <laughs> about either one of these games, so, but I'm I'm pretty interested in. I've seen ads for Maneater, and I know you play as a shark that needs to eat people. So, okay. I'm yeah, I was curious say, about that. I'm glad you knew at least the concept. Just the name alone could lead your mind in different directions. Any, any in a variety of directions. Maneater. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to start with the Xbox Series X game reveals that happened, I think, last Thursday. Now, I thought it ended up being a kind of massive blunder in the sense that Microsoft kind of pimped it and they set some expectations that we were going to see a real our first real look at what gaming was like on the Xbox Series X and I really don't think that the reveal that they gave us the 30 minutes of trailers and gameplay different stuff I don't feel like I really got any real sense of what the Xbox Series X is all about no and it led to more confusion of why people would need one uh, they kept saying you could play this on Xbox One and then you can use something called Smart Delivery and then just have the the Xbox Series X version for free. But why why would I need the Xbox Series X version? They didn't tell me why it's better in any of those games. It's implied there will be better load times and, and graphics and ray right. tracing. Right. But there was no like clear indication of why Xbox Series X matters. No, why well, get it? I mean, it, if if all it is is presumably shinier graphics, well, I can get that with the Xbox One X right now. I can get, right. go to Target right now and go get it. Um, and we should touch on smart delivery for a minute because they were pushing smart delivery pretty hard, and I felt like that was a big part of this. And to your point, I think it undercut their message a little bit. But for people who don't know, any game that's tagged smart delivery means that it will work on the Series X and be playable on all the current and future consoles. They've said future as well. So, um, and most of the games that they showed were did have smart delivery. And I think to your point, Reiner, there are some people that are going to say, well, okay, why do I need to buy a Series X now when I can get the games I want to play on my current console? Yeah, and I don't know what happened. Like, between... Xbox One X, obviously, or Xbox One, Microsoft had terrible messaging there. Yes. And now, like, even Sony, who had brilliant marketing around PlayStation 4, has not told us anything about PlayStation 5. No. What happened to those days of having those giant press conferences, hour-long talks, where you walk through every feature that's on the system, and then you show the games? Now we're just getting fed little breadcrumbs here and there yeah. here you know the first one we had for playstation 5 was there's going to be rumble new rumble in the controller and new tension in the in the shoulder buttons it's like yeah, that's it who is that for like right. what is this it's a very different reveal cycle and it's not just because of the pandemic it's not just because of e3 i think the just the whole cycle has felt really different now you and i in past shows reiner we've talked about how we don't think there's the same well, especially I don't, and I, th I think you've agreed with me. I don't think there's the same necessity to have the lag time built in to announcements that there used to be. Right. We talked about when um, when Fallout 4 was announced at E3 and was coming out three months later, 
they managed to build all kinds of momentum between the reveal and the actual launch of just three months. It, be it became an everyday talker for three months, and they just sort of owned that news cycle. And I wonder if, if, if that's not part of what's motivating Microsoft and Place and Sony uh, on just sort of holding back information here and trying to get a, a big shot of uh, momentum closer to launch. You think you would stay quiet until then, like Apple does with, with their phones and tablets, yeah, right? Great example. Uh, they will talk about it and then it'll be out maybe the next day or, you know, obviously you can't do that with so many third party companies banking on your system to sell $60 product, but a few months maybe. Yeah. That could happen, but they've already showed that that isn't the approach by giving us these breadcrumbs. They are keeping, it's a long cycle, but they are just doling out in, in little slices. Yeah. And it's, it's not effective. If you're going to show a, have a showcase of 13 games, which we just got, you have to be able, those developers have to be able to communicate why their game is cool on that system. If you're holding back that information, saving it for a later reveal, you have to hold the games until after that. Yeah. Because I look at it and I just go, I will play that on Xbox One, Xbox One, Xbox One. There's no need for Series X. Like none of these games I saw were designed specifically for it, at least from what I saw. Yeah, it's it, it certainly seemed that way. And um, that's that's going to be something Microsoft's going to have to get better at between now and launch is giving us real tangible reasons that an Xbox One owner or a PlayStation 4 owner would by the Xbox Series X because we don't have any of those. We don't have any reasons really yet. And that's, um, we know it's faster and stronger, but the, you know, we need more than that. So now one other thing I'll mention, I thought almost everything they showed um, last week at the game reveal, the half hour long game reveal, I thought they all looked like current gen. I didn't see anything that right. looked and to me like, wow, that's clearly a next gen operation right there. That game is clearly harnessing the unique power that next gen has. And were we even seeing it running on Xbox Series X? I don't know. Don't know. There was no indication of anything. They were just like sizzle trailers. Yes. Just kind of mood trailers. Really disappointing that almost that the vast majority of what we saw were trailers and not gameplay. That said, I will uh, add that all the games I saw, I wanted to play. There was a lot of new IP that debuted during this show, which is a fantastic thing because... For generations, we've been in this cycle of sequels. And we still had some of that with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That was one of the games they kind of showed, but really didn't. Um, again, they said it's going to be a gameplay trailer. We saw some in-game stuff, but didn't get a sense of what the game is or how it runs on Series X. I want to focus mostly on new IPs, things that we didn't know about. And so I'm going to, I'm going to touch on some games and just give me your thoughts on these games. And I want to start with The Ascent. Yes. Our game revealed to the to the best of my knowledge for the first time on uh, at the Xbox game reveal last week. It's exclusive to Xbox. It's a it looks to me to be a twin stick shooter, but it's in a very cyberpunk setting. It's uh, it's a role playing game, and it allows one, two, three, or four players in co op. And I thought it I I really I love the setting, and I love twin stick shooters. So this I'm really interested in the ascent. What did you get off of it? Yeah, it's developed by a, a company, a new studio called Neon Giant, which is a bunch of ex-AAA uh, developers who worked on Doom, Wolfenstein, uh, Bulletstorm, Gears of War. So they, it's like a, a dream team, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of like the NBA dream team of yeah. 
of development talent. But yeah, I agree with you. I thought the setting looked really cool. Um, it's it's a full-on RPG that you can play cooperatively with with a bunch of people. Yeah, that sounds awesome. We you know, I, I won't bring up Divinity Original Sin two. Uh, well, this looks like an action RPG to me. Yes, and... but it is a big RPG you could play with a friend, and that's kind yeah. of ground that Divinity is kind of held on its own for a bit. It, absolutely true. People want they want to have a real RPG experience with their friends. Breaking news, and um, and that's that's what this looks like. Now, can can you tell if the Ascent is in fact a twin stick shooter because it sure looks like it? I, again, it, it's hard to tell from these reveals. Like they did not give us enough of yeah. an idea of not just what you know the Xbox Series X is capable of, but what the games are. Yeah. Uh, some of them, you know, if it's a first person shooter, you're like, okay, I'm shooting stuff in that game. Uh, but a lot of the games, you're just like, that looks cool. I don't really know what it is. I guess I'll find out later. Okay, that was the Ascent. That's exclusive to the Xbox, and that was revealed last week from the Microsoft's Xbox Series X game reveals. Let's go to the next new IP that looks pretty pretty interesting, although maybe I'm more skeptical on this one than some others. It's called Bright Memory Infinite. I don't know if I love the name. It looks like a game that's trying to do a little of everything. It is a shooter. It's got swordplay. It's got parkour. It's got Spider-Man's web slinging, and it's a driving game, and was originally developed by one guy in China um, and now is part of a bigger uh, a bigger development effort. Did, what did you glean from Bright Memory Infinite? Yeah, for that to be like, it was originally on Steam, his demo that he made by himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and he got into a bit of trouble for using other people's assets. Oh. So he had to go through, get rid of all that stuff. And then, as you said, form the studio around it. But the vision of this game that he developed on his own, it looks full on AAA. Like mm -hmm. you would not know. Uh, you would think this was a you know a game made by Respawn or something just at first glance, right? Yeah. Like just how beautiful it is and how fluid it is. Yeah, super fast moving, and, and fluid is the perfect word for it. And it has a cool science fiction kind of supernatural premise to it. It's set in the year twenty thirty six, where two worlds are kind of united to parallel universes through uh, a mysterious force. You are part of a supernatural science research organization who is sent in to separate them, uh, not through science, but using guns and your feet and uh, what appears to be a DeLorean-like car from Back to the Future. Yeah. So it's, it looks it, cool. My, my skepticism for this game is that I wonder how many things it can be. Can, can it be a good shooter also? Can it be? Can it have good swordplay, which it's got, which you know does feel weird. And it's a little part of the two, the two worlds you're talking about. You know, can it be a driving game? You know, most of the time, when established AAA developers try to do that many things in their game, in none of you know some parts of it fail or all of it fails because it's right. it's just too many things to do. And so we'll see. It's it's that's my concern with Bright Memory Infinite is it can it do everything that the developer seems to want it to do. And we'll see. You know, it's 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 ambitious. It looks unique. Uh, I'm curious how big it's going to be, just given how beautiful it is, uh, and just knowing it was the vision was originally created by one person. The next new Xbox Series One X game reveal that I want to talk about is called Scorn. We got literally no gameplay and nothing that even resembled gameplay. All we got were images of an, a a a an alien setting that was very very similar to Prometheus. Or mm -hmm. you're going back farther, the alien uh, and aliens 
uh, movies. And no real gameplay here, but it's got it's got H.R. Geiger all over it. The whole game looks like it's like his doodle book. Yeah, uh, great way I to mean, put you it. Have, you have, um, how, how would you put it? Uh, darkly phallic imagery, uh, yet there's some kind of beauty to it, some kind of humanoid figures to it. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it looks stunning. The entire game, it, at least what they showed us, looks like it is uh, developed like this. And Scorn is going to be on PC as well. Okay. And it is described, Charge, as a horror shooter on an alien world. And you get to explore it in a nonlinear way, which kind of implies there might be a Metroid-style element to it hmm. of kind of going off on your own path, getting stuck, coming back with a different power. We'll have to see. But, yeah, Scorn, it looks like it wants to be a part of the Alien universe. We'll have to wait and see exactly what it is to figure out uh, if that's true or not. Not only exactly. We don't know anything about what it is based on this trailer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't, you know, it doesn't even, it shows no gameplay of any kind. I mean, there's nothing to even suggest it is a shooter. And until you told me just now it's a shooter, I don't think I even knew it was a shooter because yeah. there, there's nothing in there's nothing in this trailer to suggest that. But it's, no guns. it's dark and disturbing, and uh, the the, you know, the imagery looks amazing in Scorn. So that's Scorn. Let's go to our next game called Chorus, which appears to be an outer space ship battler with a female protagonist. Yeah, Chorus is interesting. This is uh, Fish Labs, the developer, and it's going to be published by Deep Silver. Um, it is a story-driven space shooter that you play as a, a pilot named Nara and her sentient starfighter called Forsaken. Oh, it's like um, it's like uh, Hasselhoff in his in his car, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Kit. What was the name of that Kit? Yeah, Kit was the car. What was the name of the show? I don't remember. Night Rider. Night Rider. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you're you you are tasked to take down a cult that kind of. Uh, put Nara in a bad spot, right? Like she she was brainwashed and all this stuff, and now you need to go and take them out. It looks like it's gonna blend third person walking as Nara with Star Fox space combat, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. a lot of the trailer showed a, a starship flipping around from the third person perspective. Uh, Chorus is gonna be on Xbox Series X, and guess what else, Chark? Xbox One. Uh, yeah. We don't have any dates for any of these games, by the way. Uh, somewhere I had picked up that Chorus is coming in 2021. Okay. Um, and I noted that. I'm not, I don't remember where I caught that item, but I, I'm pretty sure that is the case. We're talking about some of the new IP revealed in the Xbox Series X game reveals from last, uh, last week. Next up, Call of the Sea. Another game in which we didn't get a lot to go on. It looks like you play as a woman stuck on a mysterious island in 1930. Yep. It's got um, it because of the setting. It, it there's an immediate uh, immediate assumption that it's Lovecraftian, but I don't see any of the Lovecraftian sort of mythos to it. I think um, this is uh, more of just a, an, an adventure game and a self-discovery game that looks to me a lot like Mist set on an island in 1930. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, developer Raw Fury calls it an otherworldly tale of mystery, adventure, and self-discovery. There we go. Uh, a lot of puzzles along the way as you explore. So that's, you know, you'll come to a ruin and need to figure out how to open a door using it. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of the, the flow they're going for. It's first person. Looks mm -hmm. cool. It looks, it looks pretty. Atmospherically, I like it. I think it looks pretty. Um, I don't need to play another game like Mist for as long as I live. 
So that, that's Call of the Sea. You know, that this was great 20 years ago, right? Just, you know, in some, th- was some it? ways we've moved on. Well, was it, you're asking? Yeah, yeah that's, I that's was a, not a Miss fan. Yeah, I wasn't either. I just don't like, here's the thing, and this is my problem with most adventure games, and which is why Disco Elysium is so good. Disco Elysium never sets you up with the <clears throat> the game ending, the puzzle that if you can't get it, you can't play the game. And most adventure games run you down this narrow path, and then if you can't solve one puzzle, you have no reason to play. There's nothing else to do until you unlock that door and punch in the code just right and use the yellow card in the uh, yellow slot. You know, you... You can't advance the game. That's the problem most adventure games have had. Disco Elysium solved that. I'll be interested to see if Call of the Sea is similarly um, is similarly hamstrung, like Mist was that way. Uh, I want to talk about one more original intellectual property that was revealed last week. That's called The Medium. Mm-hmm. In watching the trailer, it looks like you play as a psychic who explores two worlds the darkened real world and also the spirit realm as you investigate a child's murder yeah and it all takes place in an abandoned hotel apparently as you kind of bounce between these realms it's developed by bloober team the team that did the layer layers of fear games blair witch and observer observer is very good by the way i was kind of ho-hum on the other two uh but they are all about jump scares you know, dancing specters, you know, as you, you turn your head. Um, and this is going to have the same music from famed Silent Hill composer Yamamoka. So I think uh, I think this is one worth looking at. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be on Xbox One as well, but you have to assume it probably will be. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, they did not give us a lot of details on anything. It was just look at these new game trailers. Yeah, that part They kind of got it out of Dodge. Yeah. That's called The Medium. When we come back, two games that Reiner's playing right now, Fury Unleashed and Man Eater. In the latter, Man Eater, you play as a shark that needs to eat and grow, and presumably you're eating people. We'll find out all the details about Man Eater and Fury Unleashed when we come back to Video Games Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back to Video Games Weekly. Paul Charchi and Reiner with you. Now, Reiner, you're playing two new games, neither mm-hmm. one of which I think are really, uh, I guess, in the consciousness of the most of the public. Right. There's Fury Unleashed, uh, which is a side-scrolling shooter, and then there's Man Eater, which honestly sounds way cooler as you play as a <laughs> shark in the ocean eating people. So uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, Fury Unleashed. Okay. Uh, this is a game that's been uh, in early access I want to say on Steam since like 2018. And it is now, it just released officially yesterday on Switch and PlayStation 4. And it is, if you remember Contra, remember those old side-scrolling arcade and NES games? You bet. Where you could play with your, you know, by yourself or you could play with with a friend at your side. Mm -hmm. Fury Unleashed is that. So you could play it single-player, side-scrolling shooter. You know, you're using the right stick to angle your, your shots up and down kind of twin sticky in that way. Yeah. Or you could play it cooperatively with a friend at your side only couch co-op. Mm-hmm. But it is also a roguelike like Dead Cells. So it's it's hard. So what are the roguelike elements to Fury Unleashed? Well, it is every level is procedurally generated. 
Okay. So when you go in, and it's you're going into a comic book, by the way. So every act in this game is its own standalone comic, and then you start on the first panel. And so you could bring up a map and see how that panel connects to other ones. Okay. So if you want to be a completionist and clear out every panel of the comic, you can. Otherwise, you can kind of just race to wherever the boss is going to be, right? Mm, okay. At the same time, on top of the levels being randomly generated, you when you die... You have to start over. You have to start the start whole level the whole, over. The level over, okay. Yep. And But like Dead Cells, it's a very forgiving one in that it gives you these orbs and money that you use to level up your character. You're also getting blueprints for weapons randomly as you go through the level. You know, they're randomly dispersed. Okay. That you, can, you keep. So you're starting to make a kind of your uh, arsenal that you get to pick from when you start the level hmm. or restart the stage. Okay. So as you keep going, it is, and your runs are very quick. You know, you might die within five minutes. You might die within 15 minutes. Um, there's a hard mode and easy mode as well. So they, they are very, very forgiving in the roguelike way. But uh, so it is more of like a soft permadeath in okay. uh, Fury Unleashed. All right, good. But what you, what you end up doing is uh, getting further each time you play, right? Like you, all of a sudden you have more health or you have uh, faster reloads that help you. Uh, against certain bosses you you gain an edge every time you die i know that's a weird thing to say but whenever you come back you are reborn as a more powerful being in fury unleashed and uh there's 40 bosses in the game so this is a monster of a of a a playthrough it's not like contra where you can beat it in one sitting yeah um and i'm digging it i think it's super fun it's 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 uh the gunplay feels fantastic the visuals are fantastic as well there's nothing about it that's really kind of off-putting at this point. It's, uh, you know, how, playing how, it on Switch. Yeah. How maybe it's a you, little small. How far into it are you? Uh, I'm about three hours in. Okay. Uh, maybe three to four hours in. And, yeah, I just feel like the progression just keeps getting better and better. Uh, you know, you see rare items drop on the – or rare items come up on in the map, and you're like, oh, my gosh. This, this could be a game changer. This could take me uh, to the next act. Right, and because it's random, it really might be a game changer. I mean, you know, with most most loot is, you know, scripted drops so that you get just an, a slightly incrementally better of whatever you already have. Yeah. But because it's more roguelike that way, the, if it's going to randomize these loot drops, you might get something that really, you know, effectively breaks the game in your favor in a loot drop. Yeah, and there's other things too. It's not just weapons. You also get armors, and you get to customize mm-hmm. the look of your own character as you go along. So you have some ownership over your protagonist in Fury Unleashed. I, I think it's know, totally worth a look. It's only seventeen ninety nine. Oh. Uh, okay. On Switch. Yeah. If you love Dead Cells, this is a absolute must for you. Mm-hmm. But if you like Contra as well and want something that's similar but a, maybe a little bit more modern in its design, yeah, you can't go wrong with Fury Unleashed. All right. I like I'm looking at the graph. You didn't mention the graphics. I like how colorful and bright um, the graphics are with it. It's uh, and it, it's got kind of a cartoony style. And yeah, I, they went um, for the comic appeal, comic book right? Style. Yeah, it's yeah. it's nice. The graphics are, are really good. Uh, this to me feels like a switch game. This to me feels like a pick up and play wherever I am kind of game. And that's what I'm doing with it. That's what I ended up doing with Dead Cells as well. I played it on PC. I played it on Xbox. Mm-hmm. But the one the place where I put the most time in was on the switch that those roguelikes just fit perfectly there they do you know we could do a whole show on it sometime and we, we rarely talk about it how a game 
a ga- fitting the right console uh, to the right game is a big deal. And just some games are just better on a particular console. You know, some games are better on PC. Many games are better on PC. Um, but some games are better on, on console. And just get, you know, getting the right game on the, in the right format is a big deal. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever had that thought was Tetris on Game Boy. Yeah. And, you know, you just had that black and white screen or mm-hmm. what was it, like green and black. It was gross. Yes. But I remember thinking, I want this on my NES. Like, I want, like, a full-color Tetris and just to be able to sit on my TV and play it forever. I ended up getting it, you know, the Tengen Tetris, which was great on NES. But I found myself playing it on Game Boy because it was a better mobile game. Yeah, the fit is just right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, again, that's called Fury Unleashed. Um, Reiner recommends it highly. Um, I'm buying it. I'm watching. I'm watching the. I'm watching video gameplay of it, and it looks. It looks fantastic, Reiner. I think that's a good. Uh, it's. A, it's a good recommendation. It's below the radar, and it's affordable at 18 bucks. Fury Unleashed. Talk to us about Man Eater, Reiner. <laughs> this so, is the one you've been waiting for. Yeah, you know, tell this other stuff. I want to be a shark eating dudes. So yeah, it, basically. The way Maneater starts is that your mother is killed by a human hunter. So you you are a, a little, I don't know what you call a baby shark, but there's a song about it, Baby Shark, right? <laughs> you are playing as this baby shark and you want revenge. You're left abandoned, you're orphaned, mm-hmm. and you want to take down this human hunter. So how do you do that? Well, you need to grow. You need to become a big, furious, mean shark. And to do that, you need to feed. So you go through these open waters in different habitats and you eat stuff. Obviously, certain things will fight back. Like as you get bigger, an orca will take you on. Uh, can you take that down? Well, guess what? You, as you're growing, you're also leveling up your shark and giving it new abilities. Mm. And they, they try to keep the abilities in Maneater true to what a shark is. But obviously, you can't do that, right? Like a shark's never going to like, tail slash another shark uh, to stun them, right? That just doesn't happen out in the wild. But those are the kind of things you have. You can leap out of the water. You could bite them in different ways, lunge at them. So you're, you're getting all these abilities. And then there's some choice here, Charge. Okay. We've all seen Jaws. We, you know, yeah. we know the, of those movies and books. You can hunt the human populace if you want. You can go to beaches and, and take down humans if you want to be evil, or you could stick to the wildlife and just eat what's in the ocean. Alligators, you know, in, in the swamplands, you name it. Everybody's going to eat the people, <laughs> right? I mean, I would, I want to know what percentage that would be. It's got to be like 99.5. I would assume so. I know you well enough to know you did. Yeah. And I mean, in that capacity, you might not have so much choice as you're going after the hunter. Obviously he's going to have henchmen, They'll be on boats, so you'll be flipping over the boats or jumping up out of the water and taking the hunters off of the boats. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of crazy fun stuff you could do in that capacity. You can also design your own shark. Oh. So not a, you're not just picking, like, it's is it a Mako or Great White? You have those options, but just different, like, cuts and, and you know, if there's coral stuck on it. or There's, there's some wild kind of uh, fantasy designs that you can get. Mm-hmm. to make your shark really stand out. It's it, it's an RPG. We don't know how long it is yet. I think it's going to be clock in maybe in the 10 to 15 hour range. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. But this is, uh, Maneater is such a different type of game. 
and it, it, it's it's something that they keep trying to do. They keep trying to bring back Jaws as a property in games, and it, it always fails spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Maneater might as well, but it, it it's actually fun to play. That's something these other Jaws games never had out of the gates. It was just the appeal of the license, and then it it you know that thing sunk to the bottom of the ocean right afterwards. Um, but Maneater it actually has some fun to it. It's it's got a really like uh, kind of goofy approach to storytelling. There's a narrator that's talking over your actions, mm-hmm. almost like a uh, one of those nature shows. Oh, cool! Is he he's, is he narrating like uh, Bastion or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly like Bastion. Uh, so that's how the story unfolds. I think Maneater just looks crazy. It comes out on May 22nd on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. A Switch version is also in the works uh, for a later time, but we don't know when we'll get that. Okay, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for Man Eater, and maybe when you've got an official review. Now you've not done the official published reviews of either one of these games, right? Fury Correct. Unleashed or Man. They Eater. are both in the works, and uh, yeah, they'll be on the site soon. But okay. I can tell you right now, uh, Fury Unleashed, without question, that's if if you do like roguelikes, that's a game you have to play. Yeah, the way you're describing it makes me think it's trending towards nine territory here, which would be great. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah, yeah, that sounds it sounds really good. The, uh, and we'll let's let next week. Let's see if we can remember to just check back and and get the official review scores for Fury Unleashed and Man. You got it. Next uh, next segment when we come back, I want to touch on some Call of Duty news. Children of Morta is a favorite of Reiner's and mine. One of the great couch co-op games of this generation. We'll talk about that. There's some new news. Civilization Six news. Uh, Sony's got a uh, has got a, some new branding. We'll talk about a little bit. And if we have time, we'll hammer the hell out of Bethesda for screwing up Elder Scrolls. All that in the final segment of Video Games Weekly coming up next. Welcome back to Video Games Weekly. Paul Jarchi and Reiner with you. Final segment. And I should make this uh, announcement, Reiner. Next Mm -hmm. week, you and I and one of my good friends from the fantasy industry named Mike Wright. He's from the Fantasy Footballers. He'll be joining us to talk LucasArts, the old LucasArts games. I loved those games. So what are we going to talk about exactly? Are we talking about the adventure games like Escape from Monkey yeah, Island? Yeah, I, I really think it's it's going to be that stuff. Uh, the old, I think we want to go with the old school uh, Scum Engine, LucasArts mm-hmm. games from the old days. Day of the Tentacle, Zach McCracken. Um, Grim Fandango? The Monkey Island ones. Sorry, say it again. Was it Grim Fandango? Is that one of them? Grim Fandango, yeah. It was that, you know, the latter end of that that time, yeah. Sam and Max, um, Full Throttle. The Dig. The Dig, yeah. Now, I haven't played all of those. I played most of them and uh, played all of the Monkey Islands for sure and Day of the Tentacle, which I consider to be the high point of the series. And there's there's so many good things to talk about with that. So we'll have a lot of fun talking through those games. And um, that's coming up next week with Mike Wright from the Fantasy Footballers. We've got some uh, tidbits from other places from around the world of video games. Sony has unveiled its new studio brand. And Sony's been releasing games, of course, first-party games uh, for a long, long, long time. But now they're going to put them all into one brand. Tell people about it, Reiner. Yeah, it's called PlayStation Studios. And it used to be Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, what are some of the other ones, Church? But it was always uh, about Sony as Santa the Monica, brand. right? The Santa Monica studio was theirs. So they are putting the PlayStation brand first and foremost. The uh, they revealed a new opening uh, 
I guess, graphic, you know, the, the animation for what this is going to be before every game or anything that PlayStation Studios makes. And this, this new intro is designed very much like Marvel Studios. So if you go to see Spider-Man or Iron Man in the theater, mm-hmm. you have that little sizzle reel of different characters flashing on screen. Yep. This logo does that. But the thing here that's really interesting, the messaging is putting PlayStation first, kind of speaks to the future of games in that PlayStation might be a portal or PlayStation might be a brand that appears on other systems. Like we're hearing the next MLB 21, the show will be on Xbox. Uh, other systems. Yeah. So this logo will come up before all of those things, uh, which I know for people that just want everything contained on one system and they have their loyalty to PlayStation, they're upset about this, but this is good for everyone that PlayStation is gonna grow. They'll make more money having their awesome games like Horizon on PC and different mm-hmm. systems, yep. uh, which will in turn help fund new exciting properties for your system. It's just more people will get to play them. Reiner, I think this is largely about TV and movies. I really could believe be. I really believe PlayStation is 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 correctly identifying that many of their first party games, whether it's God of War or Last of Us or whatever, can be amazing TV and movies. Look at Witcher, which isn't even that good of a TV show, and it crushed on Netflix and created yep. a massive bloom of interest back to the video game. You know, there were more concurrent players on Witcher of Witcher on Steam three months ago when the show debuted than there was at the at, at any other time in the history of The Witcher, which is crazy. You know, the TV shows and the movies can ca- can create a catalyst for the back to the video game. And I think this move by PlayStation to create a studio brand is really about multimedia and the ability to bring um, to not just have games reside on one console, but to have games have the games and all and the expansion of the associated IP touch as many things as possible. And you're totally right. Like we are going to see that in the next couple of years. The Last of Us has been optioned by HBO to be turned into a show. Yep. And it, it has Neil Druckmann, the writer and director of The Last of Us games attached, mm. which is fantastic. And then also from Naughty Dog, the same studio, there's going to be a Uncharted movie coming right. uh, in the next year or two. I don't know. The, you know, the, the pandemic has kind of put uh, yeah, right. the brakes on a lot of entertainment. Uh, but that has Tom Holland, the guy who plays Spider-Man, to bring that up again. He will be uh, Nathan Drake in this. So you'll, you're right, Church. You'll probably see that on there. But I think you'll also see this intro on Horizon on PC. I think you're going to yeah. see it on MLB on Switch. Yeah. Uh, I think all those things are, that logo is going to be used everywhere. Yeah. For better or worse, I think you're right about that. The um, Call of Duty, of course, is a long-running, best-selling franchise. The best-selling Call of Duty, individual Call of Duty release, is the current one. Well, fastest-selling, anyway. I don't think it's. I don't think it's hit. I don't know that it's hit the 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 best-selling yet because it hasn't been out quite long enough. But Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, the new Modern Warfare, the 2019 version, is the fastest-selling Call of Duty in history. Do you remember when people were calling it dead? Call of Duty was dead when it was losing to Battlefield for like I don't know. There was one maybe one year when it lost to Battlefield One. And it put out Infinite. Uh, they put out, like, Call of Duty Infinite, which people didn't like. Battlefield 1 yeah. came out that people did like, and people were like, that's ah, over for Call of Duty. <laughs> well, maybe not. Nope. 
there is no new Battlefield games anymore, or at least, you know, they're, they're on hiatus until EA can figure out how to compete again. Whereas Call of Duty just, you know, their down year is still selling, you know, 10 million units. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. And, so, so speaking of which, where are we with Battlefield 6? I mean, it's, I haven't heard a peep about Battlefield 6. Do we believe it to be in development? Have they announced it in development? Yes, it is in development. I believe they said it will be coming in 2021 calendar year. Okay. Um, and it will be for um, the next gen machines. It, it, it sounds like only. And who knows? Who knows if that means it'll also be cross gen? But okay, they are saying it'll be you know something that at least is on the new gen machines. Yeah. All right. Interesting. It's. Um, I know they've transitioned um, the development team. Uh, that w that was working this in Star Wars Battlefield 2. I think it was Dice that was working on it. They are now working full full bore on this, which I guess is good. The um the fiscal year that you're referring to, I believe, means that it could be any time in the next 12 months for Battlefield. Right. So I think that's still a pretty big window for when we're going to get this next Battlefield. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we get it this holiday, but I'm guessing uh, you know sometime next year uh we'll have a new battlefield experience who knows what it'll be is it going to be battle royale free to play or is it going to be a story driven game with a attached multiplayer again mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see so, uh, one thing charge i yeah. wanted to bring up uh about sales how call of duty is the best selling one yet or the fastest yeah. selling one yet i don't know if you've seen how popular games are during the pandemic right now oh, animal fair. crossing new horizons Mm -hmm. has sold over 11 million copies unreal since launching uh in what? uh what a month five weeks month and ago, and a half ago? Yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> nothing yep uh i saw i saw a statement i don't know if it was an official statement from nintendo but i saw just a headline that said animal crossing has already exceeded its expected lifetime sales yeah and it is the sixth best-selling switch game already Wow. The top what what do you think the top selling Switch game is? Well it's got it's gotta be Zelda. It's gotta be nope. Breath of the Wild. That is number three at seventeen what? million. Mario Kart is number one? At twenty four million Man. units sold. Oh, Smash Brothers Ultimate is number two, two at eighteen. Wow. Interesting that Mario isn't in the top three. No, it's number four at uh you know, it's tied it has the exact same number as Zelda. Seventeen point four one million units sold. And so I'm that's super I am shocked that it's not uh, that Breath of the Wild was not number one. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's getting crushed by by Mario Kart. That yeah. is Nintendo's number one franchise, and people don't really think about that. They think of just Mario as a platformer, yeah, and Zelda as the adventure game, and then maybe Pokemon or right. Smash Brothers. But no, it's 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 the Mario Kart racing game is is the big <laughs> system mover. It's a killer. Now, you know, with that game and your number two, the number two game, Smash Brothers have in common is it's multiplayer. And I think just so many people buy the Switch to play with family and play with friends. And, you know, multiplayer is a more important aspect on the Switch than it is on other consoles, I believe. Do you think that's true? Oh, I totally think so. Yeah, I think uh, just the family focus that Nintendo creates with most of its games bring in more than one player. Yeah. Like, I think they're always thinking of that. And you know what we saw of Breath of the Wild 2, mm -hmm. the trailer that they teased? Yeah. It almost had just that short clip, almost seemed like it might be a co-op game. But 
between Zelda and Link, but we'll have to wait and see. Oh, man. Th- and who knows be, when that's coming. Yeah, that would be fantastic if that was the case. Now, one other uh, one other tidbit. As we're talking about these games with, you know, how awesome it is that Animal Crossing is at, what was it, 11 million downloads and sales? Yes, yep, over 11 million. All right, let's put that into perspective for a minute. Call of Duty Warzone, that's the Call of Duty Battle Royale, free-to-play, has 60 million players, Reiner. <laughs> 60 million players. It's it's mind-boggling. I mean, there there are many, many countries that don't have 60 million people in them. Most countries don't have 60 million people in them. I mean, it's an it's a staggering number of players of that have downloaded Call of Duty Warzone. It's it's ridiculous how many people and it's free to play. We should you know put an asterisk on this, right? right. It's not like they sold 60 million copies at sixty dollars. This is you know a game that anyone can download and and test out. Maybe they play for a minute and disappear, yeah. right? And are never back in, or maybe they've down one player has downloaded it on three different systems. You just you just don't know exactly what those metrics are, but it is off to a healthy start. That is a, a massive, massive uh, player base. It's not quite Fortnite yet, but Call of Duty Warzone was a interesting gamble by Activision, you know, to, to release something yeah. free in the Call yeah. of Duty universe. And I think it's only going to help those $60, you know, the $60 game that comes next. I think there's going to be renewed interest in that. Yeah, probably. So if you look at, if you look at Modern Warfare being this big seller, just wait. If if ne- if the next game is like Black, uh, uh, what do they call it? Call of Duty. Yeah, Black Ops. Black Ops. If it's a Black Ops sequel, look out. Like that thing could be uh, gargantuan. You know, part of what 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 Activision is doing with Call of Duty and getting people to play Warzone is you become acculturated to the Call of Duty franchise. You understand how all the mechanics work, the loadouts. You know, you know, you just you become a Call of Duty person because you're playing this free Warzone game. And then when you're ready to go spend $60 on a shooter and it's Battlefield or it's Call of Duty, well, I already know Call of Duty intimately. I know exactly how it works. I know exactly how it feels. I get the shooting mechanics. I'm in yep. that universe. I'm going to go Call of Duty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's such an easy foot forward for anyone that is familiar with the franchise. And yeah, it, it ended up being a really smart move on, on Activision's part and I can't wait to see how they build on it, right? Like this thing is still brand new, and to 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 keep up with Fortnite, Call of Duty is going to have to generate a lot of content and yeah. a lot of surprising content because Fortnite, you know, is still the best in terms of surprising players with events. Yeah, and they've done and a making great job you want to just come in and download a skin, a Star Wars skin, or Deadpool. You know, they they really have some interesting hooks yeah. that no other shooter has yet. They do. They do a great job. Every season is an is an absolutely massive deal with Fortnite. They've done a great job with that. Children of Morta is one of your favorite games and mine uh, that has come out. Well, it came out, I think, last summer. It took you about t- until winter to find it. And then you yeah. told me about it and I've played it through with my daughter. It's a fantastic couch co-op game um, and one of the best. I think one of the best family fun action games out there. Uh, Children Morta's got a massive new update. Just give people a, a moment, because not everybody listening has heard us talk about Children Morta, you know, all probably ten times that we've talked about it. Give people a quick, uh, a quick background on Children Morta, and then I'll tell you about the update that just came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, Children Morta is a story-driven isometric action game, uh, very much 
you know, kind of uh, like Diablo and how its action unfolds, where you have enemies kind of swarming you. Uh, you're using different swords and, and ranged attacks depending on what character you play as. The characters are all sewn into one family. So you're mm-hmm. this Bergson family. Uh, you're playing as the dad, the mom, uh, or the dad, the daughters, the son, and you are leveling them up. And since they have such a strong bond together, when you level up to certain points charge, yeah. you actually get like a family-wide ability. Like everybody gains, you know, increased speed or increased armor, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So there's this unique hook that makes you want to level up each character so everybody gets the benefits they bring. So you're not locked into just one player. Uh, but you go through randomly created gen- uh, dungeons and you can play it single player or co-op, mm-hmm. as you brought up. But as you come back or reach even points in the dungeon, there are these little vignettes, these little story-driven cutscenes that are narrated. Um, Beautifully, too. The narrator is oh, fantastic. And the animation uh, yeah. of, of what you're seeing. And so this new expansion that's coming out called the Sun, Setting Sun In, it sounds like maybe you're just getting a new little place where you can buy upgrades. No, that's not the case. The, the focus is on giving you more than 50 new story sequences, mm-hmm. uh, which unfold in dungeons and at your home. Right. Uh, along with, uh, you have eight new home interaction events. I don't know what that means yet. This update's out now. Yeah. I, I can't wait to dive into this now. Right, and it's free. We should mention the free, it's free. It comes, if you own Chol- Children of Morta, and you should, um, you will get this setting sun in update for free. It is not extra DLC, even though it's so big, it feels like DLC. Yeah, and it it has four. It says fourteen new family events and quests in the dungeon. So these little quests are things that like little events that unfold. Maybe a, a they take you a few minutes each, but they're going to be spread across the entire game. Yeah. So right here, right now, this this if you haven't played it single player or co op, this is a great time to uh, to jump either into uh, Children of Mortar for the first time or for a second time. Maybe the best thing about this update for Children of Morta, Reiner, is if you've solved the game like you and I have, they mm-hmm. now have an elite difficulty level that lets you play through the game again, but maintain all of your character's progress. So, you know, you, we, you and I have leveled up our characters significantly, and we can now go play with those same characters all leveled up through the uh, the elite difficulty level. So, you know, it, it's added on, you know, maybe effectively doubling the uh, the lifespan of the game, which is great. Again, we highly recommend Children of Morta. Uh, it's one of the best, you know, surprises I've I've had in gaming in, boy, maybe this generation. Like this thing just kind of came out of nowhere, and very quietly released. Like it came out last year, but everybody's starting to discover it this year. And yeah, I, I hope the dev team's doing well now because they they made a work of art, and it's something that. Children Morta is something everybody should check out. Yeah, and it's available on every system. It's available Switch, uh, Xbox. In fact, I think it's part of Xbox Game Pass, so it's yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, available on PS4 and available on uh, PC. Last thing I'll mention, as we've only got uh, about one minute left, Reiner, mm-hmm. uh, Firaxis has announced that they're changing the way they've done uh, content add-ons for Civilization VI. In the past, they've had they've had three full heavy DLCs. They're now going to a season pass mode um, in which you're going to get drips and drabs of new updates, um, like little stuff and little packs that are going to come out roughly monthly. And um, 
it's believe the cost is going to be thirty dollars, and then when these new things hit during the uh, during a month, you can decide what you want in and out of. I'm as a long time heavy heavy uh, sieve player. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I don't like the idea of paying thirty bucks, and I don't know for sure what I'm going to get. And yeah. just hope that I get good. I get updates that I care about. I don't know. Yeah. So you're going to get eight new civilizations, nine new leaders, and six new game modes. That last one worries me because I just like playing Civ normal. I, I don't need yeah. different variations in the modes. But they're going to be uh, downloadable packs that are delivered bi-monthly. Uh, starting this month and ending next March. Yeah. So we'll I see. Know. I mean, yeah. we'll see if they can they can hit those dates. Um, again, like you said, not knowing exactly what you're getting is going to be interesting. The first pack is Mayan and Grand Columbia. Okay. I know a lot of people want more. Um, they want more leaders and they want more civilizations because you sort of, you know, you burn through them. But there's already so many. I mean, there's already 20 plus civilizations out there and several of them have got more than one leader so man i don't know i think this is for the hardcore of the hardcore of civilization players and i'm a couple hundred hours into civilization six at least and that's it's too hardcore for me i'm tapping out reiner (laughs) great show today we'll talk next week yeah we'll talk lucas arts with mike wright and uh and whatever else is new across the uh, the universe of uh, video games as well we'll talk to you in a week everybody thanks take care bye-bye